Good morning. Welcome to Eastern Shore Baptist Church's podcast. My name is Stuart Davidson. I'm so thrilled that you have decided to tune in this week. I certainly hope that today's message will be both encouraging to you, but also I pray that it will be convicting. You can find out more about our church by visiting www.myesbc.net. God bless you and look forward to seeing you soon at church. Good morning. I love J.I. Packer's explanation of the Lord's Supper and think it appropriately starts this morning's service. John's gospel captures Jesus' words to his disciples concerning what would eventually become what we experience here today as a Lord's Supper, Supper, Holy Communion. In John chapter 6, verses 53 through 58, I'd like to read that scripture to you. So Jesus said to them, these are his followers, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you have no life in you. I'll say that again, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on that last day. That's good news. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he will also live because of me. This morning, I I want to remind you that we partake in communion because we want to remember the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. There is no communion with Jesus unless we recognize that he died for our sins and paid the penalty for our transgressions on that cross some 2,000 years ago. Yet when we celebrate communion, we know that it was through the death of Jesus Christ that all mankind can have life. Now that's a, a theology lesson in and of itself. Because Jesus died on the cross, all men, all women, have the opportunity to live forever with Christ. Everyone. I want to remind you that communion reminds us of the death and the life of Christ. I've done a lot of funerals. And do you know whenever I preach a human funeral, it's always the opposite. We always remember the life but we're always confronted with the death. And that's the way every funeral service goes. We remember the life, but we're confronted with death. Not so with Jesus. And Jesus flips that on its ear. We remember his death and we embrace his life. And so today is a great day. I want to remind you of a few points. Eastern Shore Baptist Church practices two different and yet beautiful ordinances. You've already seen one today with the picture of baptism You're going to see the other today in the picture of communion. Eastern Shore Baptist here, we practice what we call open communion, meaning that communion is open to anybody of any denomination as long as they've made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Now, perhaps this morning you've not made a profession of faith. That doesn't mean that you can't still experience communion. What we would ask you to do is instead of taking the bread and taking the cup, we would actually ask you to to watch and witness communion. Because in watching and witnessing, you hear the story of Jesus Christ being told so that maybe one day you might express your faith in Christ and partake in communion with us. 
Communion is a, is a symbol, much in the same way that baptism is a symbol. It's got no saving powerful uh, power, but it's a powerful expression of love and devotion to Jesus. In the early church, communion was given to church members or the, the body of Christ to symbolize the belonging that we have in Christ. Uh, each person that's sitting in this sanctuary comes from varying backgrounds. You may come from a different part of the United States. You may come from a different socioeconomic class. You may, we've got people that make lots of money, people that don't make a lot of money. It's for all races and all ethnicities. But I would say this, no matter what your differences are, we can all agree that Jesus is good. And that Jesus' death was for all. And even though we may not have anything else in common, that's the one commonality that truly matters. Jesus. So this morning I would also like to remind you that in partaking of the, the bread and the cup, it also meant that you were willing to partake in the same sacrifice, if need be, that Jesus took place in. If you remember, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, are you ready? Are you willing to take the cup that I'm about to drink from? And what does Peter say? Yes, Lord. And Jesus responded in, in lieu and said, hey, you know what? Guess what? You will partake in this. And so, friends, if need be, because we celebrate Christ, because we remember his death and his burial and his resurrection, we say to every, every man that we are willing to lay down our life for Jesus if the Lord called us to do it. So taking communion is a very serious endeavor. So how serious is it? Well, uh, the, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 29, that if we don't examine ourselves, if we're not careful in how we take uh, a communion, if we're flippant in how we do it, then we invite God's wrath upon us. In verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 11, it says, Whoever therefore eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Well, so how do we do that? We need to come to this altar with a, a seriousness of attitude and a solemnness of spirit, a respectful spirit. None of us obviously wants to share in the judgment of Christ. Rather, we want to be solemnly joined together in fellowship and harmony. So we do that through prayer. In just a moment, I'm going to lead you in, pray in prayer. We're going to pray for our pardon, for forgiveness of sin. Every single person in this room is a sinner, and I'm at the front end of that line, and so are you. We're all sinners. We all need forgiveness. Thankfully, Jesus has paid for that penalty. He's paid for that penalty so we can have ultimate forgiveness. We don't just need our pardon, but we also should praise God. We should be praising him for what he allowed his son to do for us. When's the last time you truly prayed a prayer of praise? Where you didn't ask God for anything at all, and you just said, Lord, thank you. I'm grateful, because without you, I would be in judgment, and I would be going to hell. The last thing I would say is, let's pray for us. Pray for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. We need to pray for, each, for, for you, but we also need to pray for one another. When's the last time you selfishly did not pray a prayer for yourself, but prayed for somebody else, maybe a coworker or a, or a fellow classmate, to know Jesus Christ? Well, today, that's what we will do. So let's prepare, prepare ourselves, prepare our hearts and our spirits and minds 
for communion this morning. Would you bow your heads and let's pray together. Lord Jesus, together today, Lord, I raise my hand and I admit wholeheartedly that I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I've done so many things wrong. I've stepped out of bounds too many times in my life. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner, that I've been saved by grace. It's not of my own. I can't boast because of that. Lord, thank you for forgiving me. And Lord, I pray that as I move forward in my life that you will continue to heap forgiveness upon me even though I don't deserve it. Lord Jesus, today I praise you. I praise you for what you've done in my life. I've praised you for how you protected me. And, and Lord, I may not have even known it. Lord, I praise you for bringing all these wonderful people into my life and that I get to participate in their life. Lord, I praise you for watching lives be transformed almost on a weekly basis here at this church. Lord, I praise you for all the wonderful ministries. I praise you for all the, the great things, Lord, that I've seen happen. Lord, I praise you for allowing your son, Jesus Christ, to die on that cross that he obediently desired to give you glory. That, Lord, today we're not remembering a life and focusing on death, but rather we are remembering death and focusing on life. Oh, Jesus, we praise you. Lord Jesus, today I, I pray for myself. I pray that I will be a, a partner in the gospel. That, Lord, I'll do everything I can to, to spread the gospel to the furthest reaches of the world. Lord, I pray for our people. We pray for others that, Lord, they would have the seed of the gospel planted in their life and that through the power of the Holy Spirit, it would germinate into a mighty faith. Lord, I pray that you will use today's service to encourage, to convict, to enlighten, and, Lord, hopefully inspire. And, Lord Jesus, we pray together in your name. Amen. Friends, the temptation is to take this cracker, which we're about to to dole out and to take this cup of juice and to, to drink it without much consideration, to place that little cup in the pew before you. And I would remind you, remember, we don't take communion. Rather, communion takes us. It takes us on a journey of faith. It connects us with Jesus and helps us understand his death. This morning, I'd like to take you back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and we'll listen to what Paul says about communion as he instructs the Corinthian church. If you'll read along with me, you can read on the screens if you want, verses 23 through 26. Listen to Paul's words. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You have probably not heard the story of Johnny Jennings of Ringgold, Georgia. I read about Johnny Jennings this week. When he was 18 years old, Johnny Jennings made a chance trip to a Georgia Baptist children's home. We have Alabama Baptist children's home as well. But when he was 18 years old, there was a, something that took place when he walked onto the campus of that children's home, children mobbed around him. And these Georgia Baptist children who were living at this children's home, they begged Johnny Jennings, age 18, to adopt them. Please, Johnny, take us home. 
Johnny, let us, can we go home with you? Johnny, we know you're 18, but will you be our dad? These were the statements that were made to an impressionable 18-year-old kid. And so from that moment on, Johnny Jennings, he devoted his life to helping children who were orphaned or in the foster care system. Fast forward about 30 years, and Johnny Jennings finally figured out a way to give practical aid to these kids. So what he did, he, he took up a paper route, and, and he began to sell papers, newspapers. Now, as the last calculations, he sold eight, uh, excuse me, 810,000 pounds of paper and giving all of that money right back to the Georgia Baptist Children's Home. Over the course of 30 years, Johnny Jennings collected pennies. And you might think to yourself, well, how much good is a penny? Well, what do they say? A penny saved is a penny earned. Over 30 years, Johnny Jennings uh, saved and stored more than $25,000 worth of pennies. It's estimated by the Georgia Baptist Children's Home that over all those years that Johnny Jennings, through his paper route and through his penny collection, has given more than $400,000, being one of the largest donors in Georgia Baptist history over those 30 years. One of his friends in the report told this reporter, he said this, Johnny normally loads his truck by himself, and that's a job in and of itself. And did I mention that he's 87 years old? And he just had two small strokes just two weeks ago. But that didn't stop him from getting back to his paper route. When Jennings got home from the hospital, he went right back to work. The friend continued, that's just how he is. And he will not stop until the undertaker turns his toes up. That's what he tells everybody. And the last thing his friend said is, Johnny Jennings wants to get the most he can out of his old body. Johnny Jennings wants to get the most he can out of his own old body. Now that was actually the statement that jumped out to me. Johnny Jennings, age 87, using his body to benefit other people. Think about Jesus for just a moment. And Jesus' body was certainly not old. But as Johnny Jennings may have used his body to benefit others, think about the benefit that Jesus' body has given to us. Jesus used his body to benefit not just kids in Georgia, but kids in Alabama and kids everywhere. He used his body to benefit the masses, truly trillions of people around the world because Jesus allowed his body to be used for God's glory, now can live eternity with him. The scriptures tell us that the bread was broken But it was Jesus' body that was given for us. It was Jesus' choice to lay down his life so that we could be at peace with his Father. And Jesus' body, it brings peace with his Father. It brings fellowship with his Father. And it's the hope of sinners everywhere. The body of Christ is the hope of sinners everywhere. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, it says this, He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who has died and was raised for them. Brothers and sisters, are you getting the most 
out of Jesus' body today? Have you been sharing the good news of Jesus' body being broken? The scripture tells us in John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. And they took the bread. The other day I was watching the news with my wife. It was the local news, the NBC affiliate, if I remember correctly. And they were telling the story about a gentleman who lives over in Mobile by the name of Ross Sloan. Just curious, does anybody in here know Ross Sloan? I'd never heard of his name before, but he has an interesting honor. Ross Sloan holds a, a very unique record here in the state of Alabama. Mr. Sloan has donated the most blood that any other person in the state of Alabama has ever donated. And they did a big story on him. Since the early 1970s, Mr. Sloan has a passion for donating blood. And so since the 1970s, pint by pint, Mr. Sloan, Ross Sloan has donated more than 25 gallons of blood. Now that, my friends, is a lot of blood. And yet, when you listen to this story, you could see that he was overjoyed. He thought, what a wonderful opportunity to be given something like blood and to be able to have the body that can reproduce more and give some of it away. Now, in the news story, they estimated that Mr. Sloan's blood, all 25 gallons of it, it it, it equates to saving more than 600 lives. 600 lives have been saved by one man donating his blood. Blood is a powerful tool in the hands of the medical field, but yet blood is also a powerful tool in the hands of God. It's our blood, after all, that gives us life. But yet it's not just any blood that gives life, not spiritual life, but it has to be the right blood. And of course, the blood that I'm talking about is Jesus's blood. In just a moment, we're gonna pass a cup. It's got some juice in it. And that grape juice is, oddly enough, the color, a similar color of the shade of blood that we have. And as we look into that cup, we're reminded of the blood that came flowing down from Jesus' body on the cross, that blood that covers us, that covers our sins. The scripture has a lot to say about blood. I thought I'd read some scriptures to you. I found one in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So again, logically speaking, there is no atonement for sin. There's no payment for sin unless there's blood on the altar. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. So if Jesus would not have died on the cross, if he would have not shed his perfect blood for us, then we would not have life. 
but perhaps worse, we would not have forgiveness. Romans chapter 5, verse 9, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So his blood gives life, his blood gives forgiveness, and his blood gives salvation. Friend, I hope as you partake in communion, you've experienced that salvation. But I suppose the larger question is this, why are we not telling more people about this? This is the news. It's all that matters. And we should be telling more people about it. Ross Sloan, he saved 600 people over the course of some 40 years. 600 people with his blood, and yet Jesus has saved far more. Perhaps we ought to start doing news stories on Jesus's blood instead of Mr. Sloan's blood. It's a much better tale, and it's absolutely true. Are you thankful this morning for the life that Jesus' blood offers, for the forgiveness that Jesus' blood offers, and for the salvation that Jesus' blood offers this morning? And they pass the blood, pass the cup, excuse me. In Matthew 26, verse 12, uh, 27, and Jesus says these words, and he took the cup, and when he had given thanks to it, he, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is the blood of my new covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And they took the cup. Jesus, we are thankful for your body, thankful for your blood. Lord, I pray that we did everything possible today to remember it in the fashion in which it should be remembered. Thank you, Lord, that we could start today's service with a baptism and conclude today's service with a communion. Lord, what good is communion if we have no communion with you? Potentially, Lord, there may be somebody here today that would, if they were really honest with themselves, would say, you know what, I, I can't take communion because I, I'm not in communion with Christ. Lord Jesus, I pray that person would be convicted that, Lord, they would step forward and say, I need Jesus. After all, there's no greater decision that could possibly be made Lord Jesus, stir in our hearts. Lord, for those of us that have communion with you and know you, Lord, I pray that we will do our part to share the good news. Lord, may we donate the blood of Christ, more than 25 gallons, unending, Lord, so that people will come to know you. Lord Jesus, convict us when we've not had those, when we have chances, but we don't take them. Lord, help us to be bold in our communication of the gospel of Christ. Lord Jesus, again, thank you for this wonderful service. And as we go into a time of invitation, I pray that you will use it again to move our people, to move me, Lord, to looking more like you. And we pray this in your name today. Amen.